0: From where does our hope come? That's the question that's posed in Psalm 121. It's a famous verse, the first verse of Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills, from where will my help come? And what's the answer given? My hope comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. A few weeks ago I went on a course at Westminster College where one of the lecturers set herself the challenge of finding a message of hope in the book of Job. Fancy that hope from Job with all its 42 chapters of woeful lament and Job's three gloomy friends who have become icons of despair as Job's comforters so I thought to myself could I inflict all that suffering on those nice people at Linfield at 9.30 on a Sunday morning and then I had an email from Mike Gardner in which he said yes go for it (laughs) no actually that isn't true he didn't quite say that what he said was it's just a personal thought but it seems a long time since we had an Old Testament message at Sunday morning worship so here we are with Job. Hope is a word uh, we use very lightly. I hope the sun shines tomorrow. I hope my team wins. I hope they like my jokes. There's not much chance of that, but still. But for Christians, real hope is altogether different, because it's a hope uh, both for what happens in this world and for the next it's a hope that works best not when we feel strong but when we feel weak it's a hope that enables us to make sense of situations that seem hopeless we heard in the passages we uh, read and I, I should say I'm'm I'm, I shall be moving throughout the book of Job rather than concentrating on just one passage. Uh, But we read uh, in the prologue uh, to Job that he's a God-fearing man. He's a man of integrity. Yet in the space of a few short verses in the prologue, he suffers a series of disasters more than any woman or man might reasonably expect to endure. The loss of all his animals and therefore his wealth... The death of all his sons and daughters, and a loathsome outbreak of boils covering the whole of his body. That's all in the prologue that we read from. Initially, Job accepts that God knows best. Chapter 1, verse 21 God gives and God takes away, he says. But later, if we looked at chapter 6, he would be asking despairingly, Why me? God show me what I have done wrong and then later still why do the wicked prosper why aren't you picking on them God why me why him why her why not someone else there must have been times when we have asked that question if not for ourselves then for a friend or for another church member Good people who are going through terrible times of suffering. Perhaps perhaps young people suffering a life-threatening illness. Lord, why are you putting my friend through this? She is such a good person. She has done so much to help others. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? I imagine some of us have. And have you tried to offer help and comfort to people Going through times of suffering. Again, I'm sure that most people here have. Job has his three friends, uh, but they aren't much help at all. Can we remember their names? Can we remember their names? Eliphaz. Bildad. And Zophar. Eliphaz says the principle of reward and punishment governs the universe, so Job must deserve everything that has happened to him. Bildad says God uses punishment to discipline us, so Job should take it like a man. And Sophar says actually God is being lenient with Job because we humans deserve worse from God than we get. Miserable comforters you are, says Job in chapter 16. Have we had friends like that, I wonder, even Christian friends? I heard of a young Christian couple who were distraught because their baby daughter was very ill. They prayed that the baby would recover, but sadly, she died. And some, no doubt, well-meaning comforters at their church compounded their distress by telling them that the daughter had died because they hadn't prayed hard enough. Job says to his friends, if I were you, I would be trying to help ease the pain to give some hope. Of course, what Job's friends cannot say to him uh, is that it'll all be all right in the next world. Because this was uh, pre-Jesus, pre-resurrection, and there was no belief in an afterlife in heaven. And that's why Job says in chapter 10, let me find some relief before I travel to the land of darkness and despair. Imagine that. Intolerable suffering in this world with no hope of comfort in the next. And some theologians say that it was because of scriptures like Job that started God's people thinking more about the subject of what is beyond death. And indeed, Uh, By chapter 14, we have Job saying, can the dead live again? If so, this would give me hope through all my years of struggle. And in the New Testament, of course, we have what Job did not have. We have Christ suffering for our sake. And through that, the hope of eternal life in heaven. So we have a precious hope That Job did not have. And Job's uh, story unfolds. You can read the whole book um, this afternoon. um, Yeah, you can read the whole book this afternoon. It unfolds like each chapter unfolds like another episode of a TV soap. And the question that gradually crystallizes is this. Will Job desert God because of what has happened to him? There are other members of my family who watch Coronation Street, and the big question is will the guilty man be found? Well, the big question in Job is will Job desert God? And I wonder are we tempted um, to do that when things go wrong for us? I think it has to be acknowledged that some people do. Some people do struggle with their faith when tragedy strikes. One commentator on Job, a man called Francis Anderson, says the ills of life can sweeten a man or woman or turn them sour. Other people become angry with God, although they don't deny God. I have a friend who is a faithful Christian whose wife died young and he was at the time very angry with God, but he never doubted God's existence. Job is angry with God, but I never have a sense when I read Job that he doubts that God is there. In fact, in chapter 19, in the middle of all the despair, Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives. Words which, of course, are made famous through the Messiah. But some people find there are dimensions to their relationship with God that only emerge When they encounter suffering, through faith, they find some strength greater than their own. And Job's hope is that he will discover something of God that makes sense of it all. And he does, but not really in the way that he expects. Because when we get to chapter 38, we find the tables are turned. And instead of Job asking God uh, for answers, God questions Job, and he does it in a very uh, robust way. Chapter 38, verses 1 to 3, and if you look at the message paraphrase, God is saying, Who are you speaking to without knowledge? I'm going to question you, and you can get your act together and answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? That's God's question to Job. What a question. Where were you when I was sorting out creation? If you think about it, it's the ultimate put down really, isn't it? And suddenly Job comes to realise there is another whole dimension to God that he cannot understand. Were you there when I laid the foundations of the world? Well, no. And when we have difficult questions that our faith seems not to answer, perhaps we might do well to remember that. That God is God and we cannot always hope fully to understand God's ways. And we cannot always expect God to offer us neat and simple solutions because we don't have God's bigger picture. Can we learn to cope with sometimes not knowing, with letting God be God? Many of us find that hard. I find that hard because I want to be in control. I offer God my worries and then I snatch them back. And it may not be an easy word of comfort to offer someone in the midst of suffering. That we just have to accept that God is God. Although perhaps it's okay to admit that we just don't have the answer to some of life's really hard questions. In his final response, Job seems to have come to that acceptance and he seems to have the beginning of a personal relationship with God. He says in chapter 42, verse 5, I had heard of you, God, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. So in suffering, can we learn something more of God? Can we have a particular experience of God's presence? Can we come to a peaceful acceptance that God is God and that God knows best? Perhaps having hope in the context of suffering needs to be at least in part about finding peace. And accepting that even though uh, we have hope, that may not guarantee it happy ending. If you've read Charles Dickens' novel, Great Expectations, you may know that when it first appeared, uh, readers could not cope with the uncertainty that Pip might not be finally united with Estella, his childhood love. And Dickens, because of public opinion, added a happily ever after ending to the book. And there is a final happily ever after ending to Job, chapter 42, verses 10 to 17. Job gets lots more cattle, more sons, more daughters, more beautiful daughters, and lives to be 140 years old. Some theologians think this too may be a later addition, perhaps by a well-meaning script editor. Because in real life, endings in this world aren't always Happily ever after. And perhaps we do best to sit with Job. To sit with Job and to try to accept that God can do anything. That we can be tested when we least expect it. That there are things we cannot understand That we need faith most at the very moment when faith seems hardest. That we shouldn't give up on God when bad or puzzling things happen. And that in suffering, I think this is the most important point of all them all. And that in suffering, hard though it may be. We can draw closer to God. And they are all big things to grasp. The novelist Virginia Woolf is reputed to once have said, I read the book of Job last night. I don't think God comes out of it very well. On the contrary, it's not for me to disagree with Virginia Woolf, but on the contrary, I think that through Job. God does come out of it well because God reminds us of God's greatness. And we all do well to remember that. And of course, we have that one huge advantage over Job. Job's hope emerges when he meets God in his pain. And we meet God through Jesus' pain and sacrifice on the cross. And it's fitting uh, that this morning... We meet with Christ around the communion table where we remember that He died for us. And there rests our.